Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. We had the Secure 2.0 Act that came into play first of the year, and we're getting more and more. It's like it, it's as though it's an onion. As they peel it out, we're getting more and more information about what you can do, some of the implications of it, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of innuendos, I guess, is the best way. Yeah, to say it, that. It, the that act touches on a lot of things, and the, for planning purposes, there's some normal stuff that people have expectations of. Right. Like, like today, we're talking about IRAs and Roth IRAs and 401ks. These qualified retirement accounts, and people say, "Oh, I know how those work. Great." Well, they're they're different now, right. and there's things you can do that are that are opportunities. The way I like to phrase them, there's there's opportunities to do things that you couldn't do before. Right. And so today we're kind of retouching on uh, some of these qualified plans. Uh, but I think a lot of listeners will will find something in here that they're surprised about. So on a four hundred one k, that's offered through most employers, yeah. um, and a lot of the same contribution amounts. Remember now, the four hundred one k refers to a tax code, and so you have different uh, people identify their plans by the numbers. So like a 403B, uh, 457, but this refers to the actual tax code. And within the tax code, it talks about what you can do, what your contribution amounts are. They have age variances there and some exceptions and stuff like that. But generally in a 401k, you're allowed, it, it goes up every year with yeah. cost of living adjustments. So for 2023, we're basically $22,500. Which is a big chunk of money, you know. So unless you're over fifty, yeah, right? yeah, right. There's all the unless, <laughs> unless, unless you're over fifty, then basically you can get in thirty thousand dollars, right? Which is a, a nice boost, you know. Yeah, that's twenty five hundred dollars a month for those of you that are trying to calculate that mm-hmm. in your head. Uh, it's it's a fairly substantial contribution amount that you can you can put into a four hundred one k. Yep, and and it's funny these amounts I usually don't even memorize them just because they change every year, and for every client. We want to be doing real math for them to say, okay, how much more can you put in and how right. you know, do we, as we plan this forward? But so, yeah, so the, the, the 401k is at your office. It's at your work, whatever you may be. And it has to come out of your payroll. That's one of the dynamics is that uh, when you take your paycheck, they'll, they'll take out for your 401k, whatever amounts you select, and then you get the net of your paycheck. But it goes directly before taxes are paid, go directly from your employer into the 401k plan. And the, the benefit being is you skip out on that income. You, you don't get taxed on it in that year. The money then grows without being um, taxed as it grows. It can right. you know, increase, you get dividends. And your investments like are, there's a pretty much a universe of investments. There's very few limitations on what you can do. Now, 401k, you have an administrator yeah. who sets up the sub-accounts. In IRA, you can almost go the whole universe of investments. Yeah, but anyway. it depends kind of what plan, but some 401ks will only have you know five or six options. You know, right. pick one. Others will have a thousand options. You, know, you can decide what you want to do, but you, you pick an investment strategy Often for our clients, we'll uh, connect with them on that. You know, if, if, we're, if we're not managing it ourselves, we will then look at their options and help them pick the right options for them. Right. And then the money grows. And then when you reach retirement, you know, 59 and a half or older, 
you then have this pool of money that you can draw from. And when you draw from it, it's taxed at that time. So you're basically taking what could have been taxable today. It may be your higher earning periods and you've delayed the taxes, you know, for maybe the next 20 years. Right. And when you take it out in 20 years, after you've retired, you're not working, your income is, is much lower because you don't have all that, that working income to receive. And so the, the, the idea of this is that you've shifting some of this income from current periods, you've delayed the taxes and you receive it in, in later periods. And if the tax rates were the same, this would be an absolute no-brainer. You're delaying right. the taxes, great. The, the part where people then talk about this say, well, what are taxes going to be in the future? They're probably going to be more. I, I don't know. I, again, I, I think probably. I think the logic indicates that they're going to be more. Now, how government has dealt with, uh, instead of raising taxes to fund some of these programs, entitlement programs, is they borrowed money. And that's where it comes back. And that's a whole nother conversation about the national debt and how that funds entitlement programs and the shortfall and all that. But bottom line is, um, you know, we we have this expectation that taxes are going to be higher in the future. So it's better to put money into a Roth, right? Potentially, yeah. And so even if taxes are higher in the future, a, a 401k and IRA still makes sense math-wise. Right. You're avoiding the taxes now. You let it grow tax-free. Then you take it. And the, the biggest difference is that for most folks, say you're in your uh, early 50s, you're making probably some of the more the, the greater amounts of money you're probably in the grow. higher amounts of your income yeah, what you're going to be able to make right and then after you retire your income kind of for a lot of people falls kind of off a cliff and then you're using this so that difference it bumps you on the lower tax rate so the math works out 401ks are great um iras are great they, they have a better benefit and right. outcome for you in the future right but the, the the other question that comes about is roth iras so the roth IRA is a little bit different animal the Instead of trying to delay, go ahead. But I mean, a Roth, you can't get the, you don't get a deduction for it, right? Yeah. The, the biggest piece is when you put the money in, it's after you pay taxes. So you have to pay all your taxes first and then you put the money in. It still grows tax free. But then when you're ready to retire and take it out, it comes out tax free as well. And so it, you, what you don't have is you don't have that delay in the taxation. You have to pay the taxes now. But the benefit you do have is in the future, say if tax rates go way up or Maybe you also have a pension or something else where you're never really going to produce. Well, you think so Social Security or some things like that come alongside. Yeah, so, right. can I do both? You can. I can. You can. <laughs> you can do both. Um, the Roth has all sorts of bells and whistles. And for everybody who is interested in this, we, I don't say it's personal to each person, but kind of, you know, there's income limits. Um, it depends what else you're doing in life, that, whether or not you can contribute. And even if you are past the income limits, you can do what's called a backdoor Roth. You can make a conversion of an account. So there's a number of ways to get these Roth accounts built up. So a backdoor Roth, I think I think you need to kind of flesh that yeah. out a little bit more. So if, if you make too much money to contribute to a Roth. So high right? income earners. Yep. So it's mid 100s, mid 200s if you're married. Um, if you're making that much money, you, you're not allowed to put money into a Roth, just the way the, the rules are written. However, one of the things you can do is get money into a either a traditional IRA or make a, um, a, a post-tax X. I mean, it's what I call an excess contribution, yeah. right? Yeah, excess over the amounts you can deduct. You can put that into a regular IRA and then take that IRA, convert it to a Roth IRA. Because what happens under the tax code, because you've already, your income reaches a certain level, you can't put, you can't put more. You can't put money into an IRA. So it's kind of like, whoops, I'm sorry. So the government allows you to put that money into a Roth. So it's, they call it backdoor because it's not a direct deposit into a Roth account. It goes into an IRA account that you really don't qualify for because of your income that you're making. 
So then the IRS allows you then to convert, right, to redirect that money into a Roth. So they yeah. refer to it as a backdoor Roth. Yeah, yeah. it still gets you the end result. And every year Congress you know, looks at these rules and recent years they've, they've quote unquote blessed them by leaving this, quote, you know, I guess, right. loophole. They just leave it alone. Um, however, there's, there's always concern that they'll change that. Um, but the, the Roth, the benefit for especially people who are millennials or people who are you know earlier in their careers, 30s, 40s, the benefit of this is you put the money in now and you're paying, you know, people call it Trump era tax rates or at least lower tax rates currently. And then you let it go. And no matter what the taxes become in the future, you don't have to pay them. Is it, so that's kind of getting the money into it. And a key piece, which is probably a good transition point, is how you get the money out of these plans. Right. One of the, the massive benefits of a Roth IRA, um, which is kind of hard to understate it, but when, when the money grows, you, you get now to retirement, say you're mid seventies. Um, you don't have required minimum distributions. With other accounts, you have to take out a certain amount of money every year once you reach the certain age, it's 73 to 75, depending you know, what years you were born. But you have to take money out, whether you need it or not. You kind of are force-fed the, these funds. In a Roth, you don't have any RMDs. So you can use the money, as people kind of think about it, it's my money, I'll use it when I want to. There's a benefit there. So if you don't need the money, you just hold on to it. The second benefit, and this one is a, a more recent years, is if, if someone passes away and has a large 401k and their kids inherit the 401k from them. Years ago, it, there was better tax laws, but currently you have 10 years to take all that money out. So right. if someone leaves you- and, they, Unless you're a spouse. Unless you're a spouse. And, and spouses are still you know treated special, but say you're a kid and your parents had a million dollars in, in a 401k or an IRA and you inherit it. Hooray, this is great. Well, that money has to come out over the next 10 years. So that's equivalent to, even if you spread it out, $100,000 of extra income every single year that just goes on top of what you're becomes, already making. And it becomes ordinary income. And I don't want to get into the different taxable aspects of it, but ordinary income is one of the highest income levels for taxation that you can receive. And yeah. it's just it's just very expensive, particularly if you don't have a lot of write-off, right? Yeah. And often when your parents, not always, but often when someone's parents are passing away, they're still working and they're in these high income brackets. So right. someone who say was making 200,000, all of a sudden gets another 100,000 tossed on top, which on one side, hooray, there's extra money. On the negative side, they just bumped up into these higher tax brackets. So if you're listening to us and you're saying, well, these guys are talking about making $200,000 a year, that doesn't make, you know, I'm not anywhere close to that. I'm making 75 to $100,000 a year and I've been working now for three years. But again, remember it's household income. So if it's you and your spouse, and between the two of you, let's say that you are making close to $200,000 a year, which is not unreasonable for people, even non-professionals or professionals that are in that age bracket. Yeah. And all of a sudden you receive an inheritance and you've got to take another $100,000 out every every single year. That could be that could be massive from a tax right, standpoint. Taxes. And for a lot of folks, because they have this 10-year rule now, they say, well, I don't need the money. I'm going to wait till I'm, wait till I'm 75, then I'll right. take it. But that's not how the rules work. No. Yeah, this 10 years. But the benefit of the Roth IRA, and just one of these, these these striking things, is it doesn't have that same rule. You still have to take the money out of the account. You still got to take it over a 10-year period, right? It's not taxed in the same way. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. It's so great. I, so I get my cake and eat it too? You do. All right. Um, and and the, the issues are getting, for Roth generally, is getting the money into it. It's not as easy to get the money in because there's rules, requirements, and you have to pay taxes. But on the, on the backside, when you're getting the money out, it is a, just an entirely different landscape of you can take it out whenever you want to, generally. And when you do take it out, it's not a taxable event. You just put it into a different account. Interesting. And it, it, it's a it's a whole different structure. So for someone to inherit a Roth IRA from their parents is what most people think of as an inheritance. Hey, right. I got this money. I, I can do it whenever I want to use it. 
Whereas when people inherit a, a 401k and IRA from their parents, recently the, the clients we've had, it almost becomes this burden to say, I'm really excited I got this inheritance. However, these taxes, they're going to flatten me over the next few right. years. And we've had to do a lot of planning with folks to try and spread out and, and make the taxes as, as reasonable as possible. Right. So stay with us. We're going to continue our conversation about some of the unique qualifications for contributions and distributions and changes within the IRA code. We'll be right back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. We're going to continue our conversation on IRAs, uh, 401ks, Ross, and some of the unique aspects of distributions and contributions and such as that. So let's let's continue our conversation. So what so what is the withdrawal techniques from my qualified account? I mean, what what do I what can I use? Yeah. So what you shouldn't do is use it before fifty nine and a half. There you go. Uh, when you're uh, still in your mid fifties, uh, if you take anything out of your qualified accounts, unless there's a, there's a number of exemptions, but other than that, you'll get a ten percent penalty plus the income tax. Right. So it becomes problematic. But after 59 and a half, you, you, usually you're still working. But once you retire, once you say, I'm going to start using these, there's, there's a number of ways that people think about how to take the money out. The first one is the you know, old classic is the 4% rule. Mm-hmm. To say, I'm going to take out 4% of my account each year and we use that to live off of. And the 4%, if you think about that, it, you know, it, it changes a little bit because the, the dollar value could have gone up more, it could have gone down. Uh, 4% if you may, you know, it, it typically works. I mean, if your account value grows greater than 4% on an average over 20 years, 4% means that you're going to get a little bit higher amount out uh, because the account value is higher, right? Yep. What happens if my account value is flat or it actually drops? It goes, you know, down. It goes down. Yeah. And the reason they use the 4% rule is not always, but generally with a, say you're getting a 2 or 3% return. So you're going down each year. As you take the earnings, the interest, you know, that you got in that year, plus a little bit of the principal, this generally will last you 30 years is, is the rule of thumb. You know, we always mm-hmm. want to do the specific right. math for each right. person, but that's why the 4% came up to say, you could probably use about 4% of your account, regardless of how much you made in it, assuming you have a reasonable risk level. And that account will then last you for 30 years. Um, there's quite, we talked about this before, you know, there, there's questions of whether it may, it should be the 3.5 rule or it should be. The well, again, rule. even the guy that actually did all the work on this and came up with a 4% rule decades ago has come back and just said, listen, this is not hard and fast. Right. This is not a, this is not a, a law that you should latch onto because the economy and performances change. And yep. so he's, you know, he's made changes on that. And, too. and the worst part about the 4% rule would be if say the first three years or four years out of into your retirement, the markets are just coming down 
and you're like, nope, still going to take 4%, still going to take these bigger bites, that those bigger bites will feel bigger in the future than if you said, oh, I don't really need the money. I'm going to take some smaller bites at the beginning. So that's one method. Uh, the other is called they call the fixed dollar method. And this is, I think, what we tend to, there's, there's two that we tend to use, but this is one of them that we we do the budget. We do their planning first and say, how much do you need? Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you need to supplement your life? And maybe from this account, someone needs to get twenty or $30,000. So then we'll do the planning to say, okay, we want this account to produce twenty or $30,000 every year. And ideally, it would do that forever. You know, right. that your interest is beyond that. And so you're never drawing into the principal. For others, it, it, it can't do that. And so we say, let's get a reasonable rate of return and, and make this account last as long as it, right. it reasonably can. So for a lot of people, it's more of a budgeting focused. I do my budget first, and then I plan what I need. Um, the other one that I like, and we do this a lot, is the, uh, called a buckets approach, um, to where we say, okay, we have one bucket, that's your spending bucket. It's easier for clients to get a hold of this, is what I have found. I don't think there's any magic in it, but it is, it's easy to explain, and it's also easy for clients to get their head around this kind of yeah, concept. Yeah, and I think the on the financial side, it's easier for them to you know, mentally get and psychologically appreciate, but also... It allows them to take that last bucket and be more aggressive with it. Right. Um, and that's useful useful to their future for a lot of people to, to take on a little bit of extra risk. So the first bucket would be kind of cash is when they're spending. The second bucket would be the money they expect to use the next, say, two years or so. And it is pretty stable. It might be bonds. It might be um, dividend paying stocks. Right. Something fairly stable, not a lot of fluctuation, but it, it's going to be there for them to use. And then that third bucket is kind of the, 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 the much later money. Right. And so that that money might be fully invested in equities or some kind of equity blend so that holistically, when you look at all their accounts, they have a very reasonable investment approach. However, the money they're they're using is in in these more stable buckets and the money that they're not touching is the money that gets to grow into the future. And often what it allows people to do is to have a very reasonable holistic portfolio, but have a portion of their portfolio you know, a little bit higher on the risk scale, which is also higher on the return scale, which allows that money to grow. Yeah, I mean, it allows fluidness. And um, again, I, I, going back to it, we we work with our clients and try to help them understand what their required rate of return is. In other words, what is the rate of return that they need to make on their money? And everybody knows that when you invest, what whatever you invest in, whether it be bank instruments like certificates of deposits or money market accounts or treasuries, you know, uh, dividend paying stocks, bonds, everything has a risk element to it. Everything has has something that will play out over time. Our job is to make sure your portfolio is pension-like, that it will continue to provide, but the client gets to see the dynamics inside of the portfolio structure. Yeah. And um, you know, so I, I want to kind of change subjects matters, change subject matter a little bit. There's some unique changes in this Secure 2.0 Act, mm. and more specifically to uh, 529. Yeah. So this is a, a great change. So we were talking about earlier how five how a Roth IRA is so useful in your future. Well, one of the pain points that people experience when they do what's called a 529 account is a college savings account. Right. People put money in for their kids or their grandkids and they built it up. And the question always comes up, well, what happens if they don't go to college? Right. Or what happens- Or they get a scholarship. Yeah. Or what happens if we, they just don't need as much as we put in. Right. Which again is a great problem to have. You know, people like to be on that side of it. But but there's an issue there. And the, the old answer was, well, you can redirect where those that funds go to to a, a different child, maybe right. a younger child, a, a nephew, a niece, something like that. Well, there's a, now a, a different rule, which I think is going to benefit so many people who get into this boat. So it used to be that money was kind of stuck, and if you just took it out of the, of the 529, you had to pay a penalty on it, you had to pay taxes on it. Whereas now, with with the SCRIC, what they've allowed is you can take a 529. 
And there's a number of rules. You have to have had it for 15 years. It has to be for a specific beneficiary. So you can't change the beneficiaries in the midst. So if you have multiple children or multiple people that you're thinking that you're going to contribute to on the 529, it has to stay, it has to be the same beneficiary for the le- basically the length of the plan, for right? That 15 year period. Yep. And so if you've had, and they're trying to scratch a very specific itch here to say you've had the money, it's been for a kid, they just didn't use it all. What do I do with it? So if, if you kind of check all these boxes, you can then convert this 529 account into a Roth IRA for that child. This is this is a massive, I mean, for people that have over-contributed or unexpectedly, um, the the child just doesn't need the money, you know, and yep. and and they may be maybe for some very positive reasons. Um, but what do you do with the money? And yep. we've had several clients who just end up with a with a balance. And the child's done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they finished school, or they're not, not going to finish school. And so, with that, this there, there's some caveats, of course. You know, this only allows you to do thirty five thousand during an individual's lifetime, so you can't right. take unlimited amounts and get it in there. The other caveat is, in order to, as you transition the money out of the five twenty nine into the Roth IRA, that in, the beneficiary has to be working; they have to have some earned income, and you're subject to the normal basically $6,500 a year rule. Right. So it's a little bit of planning to say, okay, they finished college. They're not going back. We want to start converting right. this into a Roth. But the, the huge benefit here is if if there's someone who's 20, say 25 years old, 26 years old, and has a Roth with 35,000 in it, they generally should not be touching that account for the next 30 years. Right. And so you have 30 years for this amount of money to grow without being taxed, without having to throw off dividends or any sort of income. And when they then reach retirement, they're going to have an account that's grown, increased, and expanded. Right. And when they take that money out, it's coming out tax-free. Free. And that, that's really the, I mean, if you have a 30-year, I mean, we looked at, we talked about it in a previous program, if you had invested $100 in the S&P 500 in 1990, that $100 now would be worth $2,000. Can you imagine what if you just started a Roth, left it alone for 30 years, and all of a sudden now you've got... You've got this massive growth, not by being what I consider unusually smart, but just investing in the general market and allowing that money to grow. And it's all tax-free and it comes out tax-free at the yep. other end. Yep. That's a phenomenal gift to a young person just entering into life. I yep. mean, they don't even know how much of a gift that is to them. Right. And you're kind of providing for their, you know, down the road future. And, right. and the, the nice part is a, a student or someone who is 25, technically could reach it and grab it and you know, it's in their name and there's all sorts of, you right. know, it's not protected or blocked. However, there's a lot of disincentives and a lot of benefit for them to just let it be, forget about it and wait right. for their retirement and have this great benefit. So the, the SECURE Act has made a number of changes. You know, we're kind of revisiting, you know, things that might you right. know, are older, 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, 529s, but the, the SECURE Act Secure Act 2.0 is putting bits of a spin on each one. So if yeah, you- it's just, it's just really interesting. I mean, it, it you- you know, it's it's you think you understand something, and then Congress passes a law, and then even with that law, there's kind of like on the surface you have some basic things that you understand, but then you start to peel back the law and you start to look deeper within the um, within the context. You're seeing all these little changes, yeah. so we're now just starting to get a lot of this information yeah, and how it can apply to some specific situation. So, yeah. if you miss any part of this show, you can go to our website retirementunlimited.com, or you can look for us on YouTube. 
Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney-client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health, and like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.